Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Welcome to the Escapist Comics Podcast. I'm Jessica Balboni. And I'm Jesse Hitt. And today we have two very special guests. We have the writers of Canto mm-hmm. and the artists of Canto, uh, David Doerr and Drew Zucker. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for coming on today. We super appreciate yeah, it. Welcome to the Escapist. Yeah, well, welcome to the <laughs> online Escapist. <laughs> well, we're, I'm I'm totally excited to be here because um, you know I follow you guys on Twitter and I know you just do amazing stuff at the shop and online. And where are you this weekend? Rose City Comic Con, right? Yeah, I was. I just got back late last night from Portland. I think I'm still drying off. And <laughs> how was it? How was it? Yeah, I uh, I brought the rain back with me, so that was nice. <laughs> I cooled the Bay Area off. <laughs> but Rose City, it was really nice. Uh, it was definitely it was like a small Emerald City. <laughs> so that was cool. uh-huh. <laughs> so Munchkin Land. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> it was like a small Munchkin Land. They, they have union contract negotiations over the Lollipop Guild. <laughs> that's true it's true it's a backstory <laughs> i'm gonna use it in a new comic that i'm working on <laughs> um but let's talk well, speaking of emerald city let's talk about canto yeah we're very familiar with it here at the store uh, via having to reorder a second print of the first and maybe the second issue and having to uh-huh. tell people that we did not have it in stock no because it flew off the shelves so quickly yeah, so like, congratulations on that yeah the response has been Thank like you. totally amazing um were you guys expecting that at all or like what was the response like to you oh yeah i mean this is like you know the, oh, tuesday for us no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> did you guys did you know that as soon as you had finished uh, the, the first few issues you like sit back and dust off your hands and go yep we got a hit definitely <laughs> everyone totally. you know like all all comic creators do with no anxiety over success or failure or just like constant like ring biting your fingernails and just worrying about everything none of that happened we, we actually just started counting our money immediately after we yeah. were done just went out and bought a couple jet skis high fives all around oh my god you guys though the tens of dollars 
have just been amazing. <laughs> I went no, a full load of laundry. It was great. <laughs> we, we, we tease. We had no idea that right out of the gate we were, you know, <clears throat> people are going to respond this way. It's just my mantra from, you know, since, since I started even being interested in comics was just to make um, stories that I personally wanted to read and I was excited about. And one of the things we could talk about how sort of Kanto came to be, but one of the things that really drew me to um, Drew and Kanto and telling the story is because I didn't, I, I felt like there was no story like this out there. There was no, or at least that I haven't found. There's no, I, I just felt the visuals and the story that I wanted to tell was something that I wanted to read myself. And that's right. I think this became sort of special for us was I feel, I think Drew, you felt the same way, didn't you? I, I had like an inkling of an idea that this would, if people found it, that they would connect with it. But the, mm-hmm. but like everything else, you assume it's going to be a colossal disaster. Uh, <laughs> until it isn't. Uh, but it's, it's easily from my end, the work that I've felt the best about before launch and but the response to it has just kind of been overwhelming. Uh, oh yeah, and, you know you can th- you can think these things all you want, but it's a totally different story when you begin to realize, oh my god, people are actually not only connecting with it, but but you know reading it and talking about it. Yeah, and yeah, sticking my, my... with it. I mean, hmm. oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, my favorite so... part was. It wasn't just like the flipper that was coming for it. It was yeah. actually people coming to read it. So that was uh, definitely. I mean, the, f- <laughs> the flippers did come into the store, didn't they? I Absolutely, mean, they yeah. did. Uh, they're like, well, I mean, that one in 10 variant. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I sold it for someone to actually read the book for three ninety nine. They're like, you sold that book for three ninety nine. I was like, you bet I did. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. You know, that yeah. was one of the challenges is that when the um, kind of quote unquote speculator market got really excited about it, it's, it's kind of a double edged sword because that really pushes the social media buzz around it and the buzz in the shops, but then it takes people off the table from actually reading the book. So, right. you know, it worked out for us. We got a few printings out of the first issue. And to be honest with you, we just saw um, some numbers for issue four that just came out last week. And yeah. we're actually increasing our readership from one to four. And it's like That's astonishing nice. to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Kanto is a very different like fantasy story. So, what drew you to that particular like genre of fantasy? I don't know, Drew. Um, I've told this story a few times, so I'll do the abridged version. Uh, The book I had done before Kanto was a World War II horror book. And it's uh-huh. basically that it, it, it's a lot of fun to do, but it's super exhausting doing yeah. period stuff because of the sheer oh, volume yeah. of reference that you have to do. So right before that book started, I had designed Canto kind of as a challenge for myself to see, can you even design something that's kind of cutesy and 
much more of a mainstream product than what you usually do. Uh, so when the horror book wrapped up, I had no interest in jumping back into that kind of project. And I wanted to do something that was more me drawing out of my head. And uh, that's kind of how Canto came about. Okay. Yeah, and he was a little, this little tin guy that Drew and I had been on social media, like connected on social media, and I'd reached out to him for another project and he wasn't available. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he sent me that little concept drawing of what would become Canto. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, within about half a second, I saw it and I said, we're telling the story of this character. I don't know who he is or what happens yet. Mm-hmm. But we're telling this story. Um, so the design of Kanto himself was so um, compelling to me mm-hmm. that I was ready to jump right on board. Yeah. And I, I found like many like literary and like theatrical themes in it. But like the biggest one I found so far was definitely that yellow brick road mm-hmm. and that Emerald Tower. <laughs> was there, is that a reference to something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you've drawing any references yet, but <laughs> so is no, totally original. <laughs> Can you tell don't me worry, more no about the Inferno references there either? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the story. I think Drew originally came up with. Um, an idea for the story that was really centered on Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and when I came in, I'm, I'm a huge, huge Wizard of Oz fan right behind me in my bookshelf. And I, I show this to people all the time. When I was about 12 years old, my library in my small town where I grew up in Ohio was doing a used book sale. Mm-hmm. And one of the books I found at the sale for like five bucks, which was a lot for a 12 year old in like 1990 or whatever. Um, was a 1901 copy of The Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Wow. And it's it's one of the only objects that I still have been have held on to since I, you know, I was that age. And so it's proudly displayed and I've got a bunch more from the original series. And I just love, love, love the story. There's this introduction that he that Baumwright wrote for the first for the Wizard of Oz, and he talks about how um, fairy tales are grim and not grim like capital G, but you know, right. dark and grim. Right. And yeah. They want to teach kids a, a lesson about you know a moral lesson, and he said. What happened, essentially what he said was, what happened to the escapism? What happened to the fantasy and the, you know, making kids feel joy about, um, you know, just stories and and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he set out to do with Wizard of Oz. And I like to think that one of the things we're doing in Canto with the inspiration from Wizard of Oz is sort of not, I hate to say it this way because it sounds terrible because I love Frank Baum. But sort of showing that he tried to set out to tell the story that's, you know, uplifting and fantastical. And there's a lot of darkness that's still mm-hmm. in that story. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so mm-hmm. I like to think that we're telling a story that's not about a moral tale, but it's definitely got the dark and the light sort of. I say, you know, it's a it's a dark story, but Canto is the light. So, mm-hmm. um, and. And the other 
inspiration was Dante's Inferno. And so I actually read the original Dante's Inferno while I was writing this. And oh boy, is it um, a challenge to a modern <laughs> reader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I could give you that experience. Yeah, thank you, Drew. You're welcome. That's um, <laughs> the one thing I could take with me is how horrible it was to slog through Inferno. So. <laughs> um, that and our tens of dollars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I also... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, and, and, you know, breaking down the uh, Canto story, there's definitely, there were moments when I was reading Inferno and getting through each, each um, section and each, each verse. And every once in a while, there'd be an image that I would have to go back and go, wait a minute. There's this moment where there's um, women are like floating in the air and they're like, tearing open their chests and which is super dark and twisted but i'm Mm -hmm. reading and going holy smokes did i just read that correctly um (laughs) so uh, we took some of the the giants the city of dis um the the uh so there's some other things that are sort of we wear on our sleeve as far as it shows up a bit more in the second half okay okay right how long is the series? Is it? Is Canto? It's going to be six six issues. Oh okay. my god, we're almost done already. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we're just getting started. I know. We just sort of yeah. started to learn about the scale of the world in which it's set in like issues three and four. Yeah, I don't want it to be over that well. quick. <laughs> well, I think you'll be. I, I I hope you'll be satisfied with the. Uh, resolution of of this this part of Kanto's story and you know fingers crossed we get to keep going and with him and his world yeah you can make it a whole franchise like rambo you know do like canto 2 <laughs> canto's revenge you got like a machine gun this time and just spitballing here maybe that's <laughs> oh, yeah. Second. first blood first blood it'd be adorable he'd yeah. be dragging a machine gun bigger than him around <laughs> Ooh, it could be like an anthropomorphic machine gun. It's like kind of his friend, also. Ooh, I like that. That'd be cool. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh my god. <laughs> it is sort of a mechanical world, you know. I think that could work. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he has a little crank on the side that winds it up, and then it walks around no. like a little dog or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And he sneezes out bullets. It's kind of cute. It's also kind of scary. <laughs> and deadly. <laughs> oh. um, were there any other like movies or anything like that that inspired you? Because I also, I'm, I'm going to keep going back to some of the other things, like especially the one I just read. I just read issue four uh, mm-hmm. when I got back, uh, which was today. <laughs> um, uh, but like some of the characters, like the two guards, that you had placed uh, at the city of Dis. Ooh, the ones with the jawbones on them. Yes. Yeah. They were totally reminding me of like labyrinth too. Um, like the two guards <laughs> that argue constantly and fight mm-hmm. in labyrinth. Uh, were any movie? Were there any other movies that you guys got inspired by? Maybe. Or any other like heroes <laughs> quest stories yeah. that you enjoy, even in other genres, in other formats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many inspirations yeah. that we had for this. It's crazy. The Probably, at least from my end, the two big ones that aren't like directly visually in there, 
but are more tone based were the the first Ninja Turtles movie and Ghostbusters, mm. where yeah. the idea the idea behind those movies, at least from from my end, was I like most people saw those movies when I was really young. So right. my understanding of them changed as I got older. My yeah. understanding of Ghostbusters at seven years old is very different from what I understand at, say, 10 years old or even 13 years old and even 20. It, it's just your relationship with that movie changes because it it's a PG movie that really was kind of not for kids, but most kids ended up seeing. And that's <laughs> sort of what we wanted to do with Kanto was – this has been probably the biggest conversation we've had throughout the series going back and forth with each other is where is the line that you draw for the all ages, you know, moniker. And Mm -hmm. for us, it was the worst thing we could possibly do is talk down to younger readers and instead just put out the idea in the, in generally the form that we had it, and trust them to be smart enough to be able to figure this out. And even if they can't quite figure it out at you know a younger age, if they come back to the book at a later time, a few years down the road, they're able to understand it and interpret it differently and have a totally different reading experience. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I you know, we see this debate still with, reviewers and people on YouTube about this all ages aspect to it. And it's really funny. It gave me a lot of anxiety, you know, at first and Drew, Drew's right. We talked about it so much. Um, and I was really afraid that it was too dark and I was hesitant and Drew kept pushing and saying, look, you know, let him, let, let the kids themselves decide. And I realized there's only really, so, <clears throat> you know, feel a few disqualifiers, for all ages. I mean, no graphic sex, no graphic violence, and no real hardcore swearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, if they get scared because of the visuals, you know, it's um, it, that that's okay. I mean, we grew up with Dark Crystal and Labyrinth yes. and um, uh, Neverending Story, and there's some totally. really dark it's moments in all of those. Yeah, yeah Princess Bride. Our, yeah, our, our attacks... <laughs> In the swamp. Oh, God. It, yeah. That still haunts me to this day. And at was it San Diego Comic Con? Recently, somebody did a cosplay of like the horse's head. With the horse like, head. Did you <laughs> no. see that? God, what I a did. horrible, it's horrible. horrible cosplay. God. <laughs> awful. I think somebody should like tie that person up, never let them out of their house ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed for creativity, but yeah, I was like, oh, that's rough. Totally rough. <laughs> my God. Yeah, so so clearly my concerns about being off base with it were um, totally unfounded. But you, <laughs> we still have people talking about, well, is it really all ages? Is it yeah. you know, just adults? And it, I, we've had so many parents say, um, their kids are reading because of it. Their kids, yeah. they're reading it together. The yeah. kids are reading it themselves. We had, um, I did a signing at a local shop, Golden Apple in Los Angeles where I live. Mm-hmm. And um, I had somebody come in and he messaged me later on and he said, I just want you to know that I, my son was in there with me. He's, 
you know, the son is a little bit older than, um, I think it was maybe a young teen. And he said, we both bought the first issue of Canto and we actually started, they actually started a pop culture slash comics podcast because they were so inspired by enjoying Canto together. And I just, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's why we do this. It's not, to sell, to get the tens of dollars, it's to um, <laughs> have those moments. <laughs> well, one of the the best stories I heard from this was uh, I was on Twitter. I was either Twitter or Instagram, and I saw a story about the guy who had, I think it was like a heart disease, and he said that he read your book, and it inspired him so much. Um, do you guys remember that story? I'm sure you guys remember that story. And he like tweeted or Instagram to you. Do you go on a quest to, <laughs> like, get to a get heart? a heart from? Like from a, from Canto? <laughs> yeah. He's not going to let some doctor tell him he can't have an organ. From somebody. The doctor told him he couldn't get a yeah, heart. He stole a heart from he another hospital. Journeyed on a quest. It's <laughs> a diss. <laughs> um, as far as I know, he has not gone out and taken any hearts yet. But, you know, there's time. <laughs> We've got two issues left. <laughs> um, no, actually, I think I know who you're talking about, and I had the pleasure of actually meeting him in, him in person. Um, and uh, you know, the con- the connection, the connection with Canto and his story was about. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get too personal for somebody I you know I just I, I just met once, right. but it was about not feeling like he was a whole person right? Mm. and then seeing Kanto go out on this quest, not to help himself, to make himself whole, but to, to make somebody else whole, it made him feel like there was purpose right. that he had purpose and he was, was whole, even though he had this issue. Um, I had another story, which was really fascinating and, and really touching. And I never, it never occurred to me this angle of it, mm-hmm. But there's a moment in the first issue, spoiler alert, please go read issues one through four if you haven't read read them yet. Um, But there's a moment when Kanto says, take out my clock and give it to her. And the elder says, you know, our clocks can't be switched. Our time is our own. Mm -hmm. And I had somebody reach out to me and say, you know, that touched me because um, this person had a family member who needed like a a transplant, an organ transplant. And... The person said, I, um, you know, I want to give, give the kidney or whatever. And the doctor said, well, you can't, you're not a match. And so it was like a direct correlation Whoa. to what was going on in the book. Oh, my goodness. So that was, that was touching. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if you, I'm, as a writer, like hearing those stories must be uh, so touching and like exactly, I don't know like why you do this for example or why you get into it i don't know i mean also just like writing fun stories mm-hmm. about writing a ninja turtle story yeah totally. a Batman story is super fun but when you can actually connect with another human on that level is uh definitely special yeah and the money too as we mentioned before <laughs> i mean that's why most people get into it all... yeah. <laughs> definitely writing comics is all about the money for sure oh yeah this isn't just money, you guys. This is comics money. <laughs> Tens of dollars. <laughs> but I, that was something that we really, I don't think David or I really expected. And it's not something we really thought about. Uh, 
because we've had a few interactions with people that have shared stories like that with us. And we were getting those messages mostly around the time issue one came out. And we were just kind of floored by how viscerally Canto connected with people. Uh, and it really was just like mind blowing to see that kind of connection with him. Yeah. And I honestly, I think if you're working on Ninja Turtles or Doctor Who or you know, Transformers, any licensed property, mm-hmm. I, I still think that you need to have that to really make the story resonate. You need to find that kernel of emotional connection with the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, then I don't know if what I don't do think you you're doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you guys connected on the on the internet on Twitter first. Um, how did you find each other? Like, how, what was that connection? So, <laughs> gosh, yeah, yeah, I actually, I actually can answer it. I know you don't remember; you forget things. Yeah. Um, well, especially with you, I just block a bunch of stuff too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, so I was wrapping up uh, the the horror story I was talking about before the house. And at the time, I think I was right at the end of it when David approached me about doing uh, about doing a project together. I just I couldn't swing two projects at the same time. And I had read I don't even remember. I think I had read Alien Bounty Hunter. Mm-hmm. And so when the house wrapped up, I kind of I did what I do with uh, creator own projects, and I went through my pile of. Uh, of ideas that I have. And basically I sent David the one image with, I think a paragraph of what I had envisioned the story to be. And he was just like, yeah, okay, well I'll, I'll do it. And that's essentially how all this started. And it's ironic because it's the same exact way that the project before it had started. And it's the same way I became extremely close with the writer on that project, Philip Seavey, and it's just repeated itself with David. So I, I'm lucky that I have a good track record at picking people who don't just steal my ideas, and I really need to stop being so trusting. <laughs> that, that no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's basically how it happens, and, you know, Creating comics right alongside when a writer, my best experience has been um, with Drew as we sort of pair up as a team and create the story and create the world and the visuals and go back and forth. Because it feels, I, I mean, I hope when you guys read it, it feels like it's a like cohesive story from the writing and the artwork I'm working on the scripts, but, you know, Drew is, in, is part of that process. I didn't just write six scripts and then put it on his desk, right? Yeah. It's it's an ongoing, evolving process with his visuals. So it becomes like a story that we're telling together. And, um, you know, I always make sure, we both do, make sure that Vittorio, Estonian Colors, and Dar- Darren Bennett on Letters are always part of this creative team because they're they're in there too and the book wouldn't be what it is without all of the all four of us you know firing on all cylinders together is vittorio um one of the colors at vault does he yes 
Vittorio yeah. basically colors everything in Vault. <laughs> well, he colored these Savage Shores. Oh, damn. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I read Yeah, so, and that's a, that's a dope book. Vittorio oh, is one of those talents that the industry hasn't quite realized how yeah. good he is. Yeah, true. I, Don't say it out loud. I know. I know. If I say it out loud, it'll become true. Uh, <laughs> but it, without him and Darren, this book doesn't work. Like, yeah, I love straight up. I love how he uses his colors in the flashbacks. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. very important. I think. Uh, I think people are just you know. I want to say in the last definitely five. Five years that people are really waking up to the colorists. Like, I mean, we've always in the comic industry known how important they are, but now people are like, "Oh, the colorists!" Like, mm-hmm. you're actually paying attention, you know, to how important they are. Um, it it yeah. kind of came with Image when Image yeah. had their big, uh, their big kind of rebranding a few mm-hmm. years back, right? And creator owned books kind of came to the forefront again. It it made people realize that this is. Colors, colors are storytellers as much as anyone else. Same way that letterists are storytellers. Yes. I can give, if I give, you know, the same page to an inexperienced letterer and then I give that same page to Darren, Darren is going to do a better job because Darren Mm -hmm. has a sense of storytelling that comes with it. So they're, they're as much of storytellers and as much of a part of the process as anything else that we do. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. A hundred percent. And like, as far as both of you guys, your sort of collaborative process goes, do you live close enough that you can actually get together physically or do you guys do this all remotely? We live on separate coasts. Thank God. (laughs) I need, we are indeed. Yeah. We're we're impossible. As far as possible. Drew's in New York. I'm in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, my, as a day job, I'm a lawyer mm-hmm. and Drew is an EMT as, as a day job. Oh, so a lawyer and an EMT created an all ages comic. What could go wrong? <laughs> what kind of lawyer are you? Um, are you a fancy lawyer? <laughs> um, no, not at all. I can, I can wear jeans to work, but <laughs> I can also, Review my own contracts, so Ooh, nice. that saves a little bit of money. Yeah, super helpful. It is. Yeah. And, uh, um, okay. yeah, but we're on separate coasts, and we just use the social medias and messaging, and and um, you know, just go back and forth almost on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Where Drew's sending me thumbnails, pencils, inks. I'm sending him back messages to throw it all out, and he won't. But that's where we are. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm just giving him a hard time. Everything is perfect. <laughs> he says, "As I have a stack of notes from him." <laughs> <laughs> Please change this background. Please change this face. No, I'm familiar with this too. So, <laughs> um. Okay. And you say you said it's going to be a six issue series. Is there any more plans for going further since it's doing so well? Or maybe pay attention to New York Comic Con. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. We got two weeks. There may or may not be announcements. Okay. Plural. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. We'll definitely pay attention. Well, I have to say, huge shout out to um, Escapist and. 
all the shops out there who have, you know, pushed Canto um, into readers' hands and, and promoted it for us because you know one of the, one of the interesting experiences when you're doing creator-owned comics is a lot of times we get caught up in social media, and yeah. I, I find myself saying, "Well, where's all the social media buzz about yeah. this?" Yeah, mm-hmm. and honestly, it, it doesn't matter nearly as much as shop owners ordering the book and readers mm. taking it off the shelf. And yeah. I've talked to at San Diego Comic Con. I talked to several shop owners who, who when I mentioned Canto, their their face lit up because they it doesn't take up shelf space, and that's right. all that I want with single issues is for it not to take up a shop shelf space because people are buying it. That's all I want. Yep. And, um, you know, big shout out to um, all the shops out there, including you guys. Thank you. For <laughs> gave it a chance and really helped it along. Yeah. Well, I'm the- when, when we started out on. Oops. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, when, when we started out on this, I, one of my goals with it was I wanted to make a book that, one not only assisted the shops as a whole and something that they could order with confidence and know that they could move off the shelves, but something that also helped grow the industry. Because I, I personally think that a lot of what the industry does is to its own detriment. It, it loves to just kind of do the same thing over and over again. And that's fine, but it also plateaus the market a little bit and doesn't bring in new readership. Yeah, We wanted to see if we could make something that would bring in new readership, that would bring in, you know, not only the parents and the, and the adults, but bring in their kids to make them comic readers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so far it, it's been successful, I think, at doing that. And, you know, we really can't say thank you enough to you guys and all the shops that, you know, recognize that and are using it as a tool to recommend to people instead of just letting it die on the vine because both of us have like for, I think for both of us, this has been the most fun I've ever had making a book and Mm -hmm. to see people like respond to it in that way has been phenomenal. Yeah. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Drew. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so excited. Like, uh, actually there's a, uh, customer we had in today and she was looking for a book for her 11 year old son and i don't know if you guys know this but like 11 year olds man they are the hardest to recommend books for (laughs) uh because they like they might want something like a little silly or like Mm -hmm. a little funny but they definitely want something a little bit older for them um Mm -hmm. And like in Berkeley, especially like, you know, you can recommend something like a little bit higher for their age and their parents mm-hmm. like don't really care. Um, and they don't want something like too violent. But it, it has to be just right. It's, we call it the Goldilocks theory. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and Canto is <laughs> like perfect books for that age. Yeah. Um, so we want to thank you for writing that book for that 11 year old boy or girl. It's, yeah, it truly. really is like that book for them. It's very easy to recommend. Yeah. And, you know, it's nice to be able to give a kid the gift of something that is going to scare them, but then they get to pretend like they weren't scared by it. Oh, like, yeah, that's totally. a great moment for a kid it to is. be like, no, well, I wasn't <laughs> actually scared. Yeah, exactly. All right. And I can't wait for the trade to come out too, because it's going to be like the easiest Ooh, yeah. ever. 
uh, for that child. Oh my gosh, that makes me feel that makes me feel so good. Mm-hmm. And also, I just want to tell you that today, um, Drew and Vittorio finished the cover for the trade, Ooh. and we can't share it yet. Oh. <laughs> but I was at work, mm-hmm. and I flipped my desk over. <laughs> I was so excited. I was immediately I escorted them. out by the bailiffs. <laughs> well, I was like, all right, the, the money's going to roll in now, so you know, yeah. we'll be backed out of there. And, um, you know, it's absolutely... <laughs> Um, after, you know, after six, after six issues of everybody working together to see a piece like that, where Drew came up with the concept and did the gorgeous inks on it and then Vittorio colored it and he came back and this was his only pass on it mm-hmm. and to have it come back and just be every single thing that we could have possibly hoped for this cover. If, if you guys, um, you guys can sell it in word of mouth, but if this cover doesn't just draw people in, then I, you know, I'm going to throw up my hands and give up because it's <laughs> stunning. It's awesome. stunning. Sweet. Uh, can you tell I'm excited about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> um, <do you> <sighs> <mind> that- <laughs> Uh, so we don't want to keep you guys here forever. So we want to make sure that you get like all of your plugs in. If you have any other books coming up in the future, I know you guys said y'all have announcements at mm-hmm. New York, York Comic Con, but that's like, like two weeks away. Um, so anything else you want to say before we have like a special question we have to ask you at the end, which might take a little bit. So before that, uh, pl- plug yourself. <laughs> um, well, this is David, and I'll just say. Um, we're we're plugging away on Canto, trying to get us to the finish line, and <clears throat> we're very excited about how t- uh, 2020 is going to shape up. Mm-hmm. And I will just, again, say keep an eye out around New York Comic Con. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at David Boer, B-O-O-H-E-R, and Instagram at, at David M. Boer. Uh, and you can also follow Canto on Instagram at, at Canto Comic. Nice. Um, awesome. And you'll see all the updates and everything there. Great. And Drew? Uh, so, yeah, I first off, thank you to everybody who's been reading it. And thank you to everybody who ordered. And, yeah, uh, keep an eye out at New York Comic Con. Uh, there should be some good stuff announced there. Uh, Great. On Instagram, I am Drew. I don't know what it's called, but that little dash at the bottom underscore thank you that's why you're the writer Uh, i have notes true i have notes (laughs) oh no i'm sorry that's that's me at twitter i'm i'm drew at underscore zucker on twitter and on instagram i'm drew zucker art okay that makes sense because it's instagram Mm -hmm. awesome okay and then our very special question for both of you is what we ask on every show: mm-hmm. Aquaman, beard or no beard? Take your time. Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, I, I have a hundred percent answer right away, which is as, as thick and full of a beard as he could possibly grow. Nice. Do you have a I'm reason a big, behind that? Big fan. I I find them very um. Becoming. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Good answer. 
There you go. Uh, and, He's fifty percent more attractive with um. Yeah. See, I like him shaved because like he can get through the water faster. Makes more sense. I also just don't. I'm not like a beard right? person too. My husband has a beard, and I'm like, will you please just like shave the just a one time? I was like, only for the wedding, and then never <laughs> oh, <yeah>. again. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. My husband and I have been together for 18 years now. And um, when I first met him, he had a big beard. And I told him if he ever shaved it, that we would have some problems. And right. 18 wow. years later, yeah, still has a beard. They've never <laughs> tested the theory. So. <laughs> I wish your husband was fucking my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Drew, what is your answer? I'm gonna I'm gonna go shaved only because I'm selfish and I am forced to shave for work. So if I have to suffer, uh, he should right. have to suffer. Yeah, damn right, Aquaman also suffered. Yeah, I was no beard for a long time for yeah. practicality reasons, but yeah. then I saw Jason Momoa Aquaman and I was like, you know what? I think I I turn I it. It's kind of a flex too because you're saying be like, I'm Aquaman. Jason Momoa also is an Aquaman. Yeah, he is an Jason Momoa is just Aqua Bro. <laughs> you can wear those leather pants. I think those get like a chain wallet underwater. Yeah, it's Aquaman at a flat. Right? <laughs> he should have been named. Oh, yeah, fish. that would have been a better fit. <laughs> Namor is a jerk. <laughs> Namor is a jerk, and he has the eyebrows, and like now they can't cast him as Namor. I mean, they could, mm -hmm. but it would be fucking weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh my God, that would be hysterical if they did, though. It well, you could be, be both, right? Yeah, but people still make fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could be in both universes, but like to play competing characters would be hilarious. Yeah. Well, so let's fun. be honest about it. There's only one successful universe, the other one's floundering. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. I'm, looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the new Batman movie, though, because. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Joker? No, 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 no. The, the Matt new Reeves Batman. one. Yeah, yeah, the Matt Reeves one. Because uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Robert Twilight Pattinson? Guy. No, Robert Pattinson is sexy as hell. <laughs> and I think he might be a good guy. Poor Robert Pattinson, his guy, is such a bum rap in his career because he's only remembered for Twilight, and he yeah. is a phenomenal actor. He's a really good actor. And how are you going to turn down Twilight if you're a young actor? Like you got to make a living. Like you can't yeah. fault the guy for Look, that. That guy, he made so much money off of Twilight. Yeah. He is laughing his way to the bank while everybody else is like, "Oh, screw that guy." Yeah, well, you have a hundred thousand dollars in student debt, and he does it. So <laughs> exactly. I have one question about that casting, though. When Batman steps into the sunlight, is he going to sparkle? Ah, <laughs> hilarious. I Excited to see that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it would be, it's okay. it would It'd be a bad to identify. That's like, true. You could only see the bottom half of his face, but it was very sparkly. It was noticeably sparkly. <laughs> officer, he was shaped like a, like a glitter bat. I don't know. <laughs> and then first wave steps into the sunlight. They're like, he's also sparkling. Yeah. I don't know. Is it the same guy? I can't tell. Yeah. You know, Batman really reminds me of that sparkly billionaire. <laughs> Who's, what's his name? Wayne. Wayne <laughs> Franchises. <laughs> oh my God. All right, guys. Yeah, we're. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show today. We super appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
Well, and thank you guys for just being amazing supporters of the book and having a great shop and just really being out there supporting all of comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> you, yeah. You're welcome. I think my uh, phone is trying to talk to me now. Yeah, we're looking forward to New York Comic Con. We'll uh, put your uh, Twitter and Instagram handles on uh, the description of the episode so everybody can find you out there. Yeah. Totally. We'll do all of that things. And my phone will stop talking to me. All right, yeah. phone. <laughs> all right. This has uh, just been Jessica Baldoni. And I'm Jesse. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.